The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Lloyd, today the show is really a little bit different because I'm going to be using some excerpts of an interview about identity theft in which Rebecca Harold, who has been on our show numerous times, she interviewed me and she has a new radio show. Uh, called Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor, and she is the host. And this aired on February 23rd, 2018 on Voice America Business Channel, and they authorized us to play excerpt. And I thought that many of you listening would want to hear about identity theft. We haven't talked about it in a while, and I wanted to give you some of the expertise that I have had over the years with the experience of helping other victims, being a victim myself way back in 1996, and writing books and helping to get laws passed, speaking at the White House, having all these different opportunities to help literally thousands of victims. And so many of you will be listening here who've received maybe a, a note from your credit card company that there was fraud on your account, or you noticed that you received a security breach notice. All sorts of things can happen, and it. it's not gotten much better. So we're going to talk about that today. And so Rebecca and I thought this would be kind of fun, have her interview me I was after I've interviewed her so many times. And you'll hear some very important information about identity theft. So she's going to take the reins to ask me questions and so that's a, a fun way that we're going to deal with it. Let's just tune in on Rebecca. Well, hello and welcome. I'm Rebecca Harold, and I'm so happy you're joining us. Today, we are going to discuss a really long-time problem since before the use of smartphones and even before personal computers existed, but it keeps getting progressively worse. It's identity theft. And it's kind of interesting, but this really hit home for me when I was just in kindergarten. And that's been a long time ago, but I saw firsthand how greatly it impacted my mother. I grew up in a small Midwestern town in a rural area. My father was the superintendent of the school district, and my mother, Mary, took 
great pride in all the volunteer work she did in the community. And as with most traditional at that time households, she did all the shopping and other home-related activities for the family. And she always paid with a check at the stores. Well, I remember so clearly one day as we were checking out of the grocery store, and she handed a check to the the new checkout clerk. I'd never seen him before, and neither had she. And the clerk took one look at the check and said really rather loudly, sorry, we cannot accept checks from you. Well, my mother was truly dumbfounded. I mean, everyone turned around in the store and was looking at her, and she was like, what? Why not? And then the clerk pointed to the wall at a posted check on the wall that had my mother's name and Social Security printed on it, which, you know, was common back then, but it wasn't from a local bank. And the clerk said, again, way too loudly, you are a serial bad check writer. Mm. Well, the check was posted for everyone to see. And it was not a check that came from any bank that my mother did business with. Like I said, it was from an out-of-state bank. Now, by this time, everyone was looking at my mother, some of them shaking their heads and some of them whispering. I'd never seen my mother look so embarrassed and so alone. And, and she was like, well, what do you mean? And about that time, the, the manager, who personally knew my mother, walked by, and thank goodness, he cleared everything up. It seems like someone was using my mother's name and was writing bad checks in this area where she'd lived basically all of her life, and the stores posted those bad checks on the walls at that time. It was kind of common practice to alert their cashiers not to take them. Well, when we got to the car, my mother, who was greatly shaken, you know, I saw her just sit there and she cried for several minutes. It really hurt her, and, it, and the experience impacted her for many years after that. Now, just think how now the many more ways in which a person's identity can be stolen and how much more damage to people can be done by identity theft. And I, you know, I'm so happy to speak with a really dear friend of mine who is also the most highly regarded and most experienced expert that I know of for identity theft and identity fraud. So let me tell you a bit about her. Mari Frank is an attorney. She's also a certified information privacy professional. She's author of many books, The Identity Theft Survival Kit, The Complete Idiot's Guide for Recovering from Identity Theft, Safeguard Your Identity from Victim to Victor, Privacy, Piracy, and so on. Since 2005, Mari has also hosted her own radio show. It's called Privacy Piracy, and it's on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. And I'm so happy that Mari has had me as a guest on her show many times. Mari testified on privacy in the California legislature the U.S. Congress, and at the White House. She also has had a PBS television special. It's called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age, and it 
air nationwide. You can still find it online. I encourage you to go watch it. Mari chaired the California State Bar Privacy Committee. She's an advisor to 3M's Visual Privacy Council. She's a fellow for the Poneman Institute and also is an advisor to the California Office of Privacy Protection. Mari has appeared on dozens of national TV programs, and she's been featured in numerous periodicals. In fact, Money Magazine named Mari a money hero for her pro bono work. And Mari serves as an expert witness and trainer on privacy issues. Her websites include privacypiracy.org and marifrank.com. Mari, I am just so happy to have you on my new show, and thank you so much for being here today, and welcome. Well, thank you, Rebecca. And we always have fun. You've been on my show many times, and it's always such a treat to talk to you. And I remember when we first met at a privacy conference, it was just like we knew each other already. So it's uh, yeah. it's a thrill to come back on and support you in your radio host endeavor as well. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, this topic is just so ty- timely. I knew I had to have you on to talk about this because you know more about it than anyone else I know. Um, So first, let's level set our understanding of the term identity theft for our listeners. Can you explain, you know, what exactly is identity theft and what are some of the ways in which an an imposter can take your identity? Right. So there's really two types of identity theft. One is identity takeover. This could be where they take over your bank account or they take over a credit card. We we have that. That's pretty common. Someone will just steal the information on your credit card and then use your credit card and then you see it on your credit card bill and you go, what is this? So that's identity takeover. You know, the other kind is really where you know, that's an existing account that they're taking over, right? The other is where they create new accounts in your name. Now, this could be something like what happened with your mother, where someone created a new check, uh, a new account, or they may have, and I don't know, because you didn't really uh, let us know whether they actually got checks with your mother's account number on it and was stealing money from her bank, or they just created accounts with her name that there was no money in the bank. And so they were able to make her look like she's really a fraudster. But that's another kind. But there's so many other things like medical identity theft, and there's criminal identity theft where people commit crimes in your name, or they get a job in your name And literally anything you can do with your identity, the identity thief can also do if they get enough identifiers to do it. And usually at this point in time, it's the social security number because that's the key to the kingdom of identity theft. Although in the future, I just, I just interviewed somebody on biometrics and, you know, if there's not enough safeguards with regard to your fingerprint or your iris scan or some piece of your body, um, if there aren't enough protections, even it could be, you know, identity theft using your personal information from your body. So um, that's what it is right now is basically the identity is taken over by using your personal identifiers. And, you know, with my mother's situation, someone had taken her name and her address and her social security number, and we never found out 
where they got that from, but they opened a completely different account from a completely different bank. So they were using her personal information to, to create. create. Okay, so oh. hers was instead of yeah. I, instead of uh, existing account takeover, what it was was creating a new account, and we're still seeing that, Rebecca. It's so easy to do that, and if you think about all the places that have your social security number and a lot of information about you, doctor's offices, your bank, the IRS, you know, the credit bureaus, all over the place, your sensitive information is being stored and somebody who's a dirty employee could take it or maybe they throw away trash and it's there. Or of course, we've learned about all these security breaches where someone is sitting in another state or in another country, even at their, you know, kitchen table and they're stealing lots and lots of information about you or your credit cards. So those are a lot of things beyond your control. And you'll never know necessarily where this happened from your mother, where they got her social. But again, she's lucky that there wasn't anything else, right? Right, exactly. But you know, with her, you know, that's happening to an adult and it's bad enough. But when you talked about healthcare. Um, with hospitals, what what happens at hospitals? Well, babies are born. And right. What happens, you know, babies are born, and they're you know right away they're given social security numbers. And just think about that with all the children whose identities are being stolen right after they're born, and it's you know for years people can be doing things, and the child doesn't know about it until they get old enough to you know get a car. or or whatever, and all of a sudden they've got bad credit, and they've never even bought anything. Oh, yeah, we see that all the time, and there's a huge problem with foster children. That that uh-huh. in Cal- oh, Yeah, that was even bigger than regular children, but I have to tell you a quick story about that. Kevin Mitnick, who was the FBI hacker who turned to wear a white hat, you know, <laughs> and work for the yeah. FBI. I had, he has written, you know, the art of, uh, dilute this, let's say the art of intrusion, the art of deception. So I had him on my radio show a few years ago and he told me that when he committed identity theft years ago, what he would do is steal the identity, including the social security numbers of dead babies because they had very clean credit and no one really knew who they were. And so he would go from, he could evade all of the FBI people and everyone who was after him by stealing the names and the identities of babies who had died. And then, of course, who would, he didn't think it would hurt anybody. But in truth, when the families found out about it, when there would be somebody coming back and saying, wait a minute, you have credit cards and credit lines and all this stuff in, in your name. And they said, this is our baby that died, you know, a couple days after birth. So yes, it, it's really pretty disgusting when you think about what can be done. And, and, you know, he explained it to me. That's how he did it. And, you know, these fraudsters are extremely creative and they can do whatever they want. Well, and to kind of step back, I mean, you know, before we get too much further along, you didn't start out as a privacy lawyer, right? I no. Mean, that's very <laughs> practice when you first became, because you became an identity theft victim while you were a lawyer, right? What's right. That? You know, it's so funny how sometimes people would think, oh, how did you get interested in that? It's like, I never in a million years would have wanted to become an expert on this. Let me just tell you that. 
But I was a, I live in beautiful Southern California. One Friday afternoon, I was going to take my kids to the beach and take off and play hooky from my law office. And um, the phone rang and I thought, oh, should I answer it? I answered the phone and a woman got on and said, is this Mari Frank? And I said, yes. And she goes, um, why haven't you paid your credit card bill of $11,000 to us. And I said, who are you? You know, I don't know who you are. And I, of course, I wasn't, you know, as privacy sensitive at the time, but I still was a lawyer. I knew not to give information. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, who are you? Oh, we're the Bank of New York in Delaware. I said, I don't have an account with you. And I said, what are you looking at? You know, she says, well, I'm looking at it. And I know all this about you. You live at such and such an address in Southern California, da, da, da. And she was correct. And I said, what are you looking at? And she said, I'm looking at your credit report. And I said, oh, my God, you know, what is this all about? And then I said, well, can you tell me what else is on that credit report that you see? And um, I said, I'm going to tell you the credit cards I do have. You know, I, I have a, a Citibank MasterCard and a couple. I said, do you see anything else on there? She said, yes, I see a lot of other things on there. So at that point, I had, this was back in 1996, long time ago. And I said, you know, I had no idea what to do. And I already was a lawyer for 11 years at that time. So I, I mean, I was a, I was not a privacy lawyer, but I was a lawyer. I had done general practice and I had done mediation and all sorts of other things, but I hadn't done anything to do with privacy or identity theft. So I ended up looking for help and believe it or not, the only thing I could find was the privacy rights clearinghouse that at that time, which they still have wonderful stuff, privacyrights.org. Um, they had a, they had some sheets about what to do. So I, I, I looked online, I started doing that. And then I called Beth Givens, who was the director. And I said, Beth, a lot of these things aren't working. And she said, well, will you tell us what is working and will you help us? So I ended up helping them recreate the, their sheets because I was learning what worked and what didn't. And people were saying to me, well, my goodness, can't you're an attorney, can't you just clear it up? Well, you have to find out so many things, like where is this all coming from? And so it took me 10 months, and this is, you know, as a lawyer, 10 months to clean up the mess. The woman stole over $50,000 in my name. She got a new red convertible Mustang. She was parading as an attorney using my identity up, it, you know, about four hours north of my home in Ventura, California. Oh my and I was afraid I was going to be disbarred. She, I found out through much of my own investigation that she had worked in a law office and she had seen my name in the legal newspaper for the state of California called the Daily Journal. And she saw that I was, you know, the chair of all these different committees, et cetera. And she thought, oh, well, she, you know, she's got her own practice. She must have good credit. So in that office, she ordered my credit report. And if you know what's on your credit report, it's got everything on there. It's got your social, it's got your birthday, who you're married to, where you live, all of your credit accounts. So what she was able to do was look at the accounts I did have 
and then apply for accounts that I didn't have. And she was granted credit in a heartbeat. And so that's what happened. I, I mean, it took me a while to find out who she was. And once I did, it was I had to beg, borrow, and plead the credit card companies to give me the original application and give me all these things. And that's how I would find her address. I found her address because she had the card sent to her address up in Ventura. And I live obviously down in Laguna Niguel, California. So then I called the police up in Ventura. And this is really odd. This was such an ironic situation. I called the Ventura Police Department and the watch commander answered the phone and I was telling him what happened to me and I found out that there is a person up at a certain address in Ventura has stolen my identity and I told him the whole thing. And he said to me, first thing he said, did you recently apply for a home loan? And I said, no. He said, the reason I'm telling you this is the same thing happened to me. I applied for a home loan. And of course, you know, whenever you apply for a loan, you put down everything about you, right? Your social security number, all your bank accounts, how much you make, et cetera, et cetera. And that was stolen. And then that's how he became a victim of identity theft. And so he said... had some sympathy for Oh, him. and I was so lucky because at that time there was no law, believe it or not, no law in any state making identity theft a crime against the victim. It was always against the credit card companies. And so a lot of times people would call up law enforcement, and this still happens today, and they tell you, oh, you know, we can't take a report. You, now the reason they don't want to take it is it's very hard to investigate. It's very time consuming. But anyway, so at that time, he actually looked into it and sent somebody to that address and said to the woman who answered the door, do you know Mari Frank? And she said, she started to freak out, but she goes, oh, she used to live here, so we get mail for her. I never, I had never been to that city, ever. But she, I found out later that she had been working in a law firm and that her dad was a cop, her ex-husband was a sheriff. She had a 22, oh yeah, she had a, a, a handgun. Oh, oh, yeah, I found out everything. <laughs> I became a detective. No, but I saw her, you know, I was, once my story, what what ended up happening is Beth Givens, who was the director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, would get calls from the media and she'd say, I, I want you to talk to Mari. Mari can tell you everything. So they'd call me. So I was on Dateline, 48 hours, et cetera, et cetera. I was on literally hundreds of, of national TV shows, not because I wanted to be, but because I wanted to express what people should be doing. So I, my kids and I and my husband, we were watching TV to watch Dateline one night, and it was me, it was my story, and then they had a picture of her. <laughs> and that was the first time I saw her. And, you know, she, I saw her applications. She had a much nicer handwriting than I have, I can tell you that. <laughs> but it was very strange to see the person who was parading as me, and and she had even driven four hours to my law office to steal the business cards on the desk that we had all of the attorneys, they had their business cards, and she was passing out my business cards pretending to be a lawyer. 
Holy cow. I know. It was, it was, I, I can laugh at it now because I got through it, but I can honestly tell you it was devastating. Just like your mother, you know, sitting there crying. I was, I, I was beside myself trying to figure out and trying to put my fingers in all these holes and, and no one, I mean, there wasn't anything at that time. There weren't, you know, good help sheets except for the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. The Federal Trade Commission wasn't involved. Nobody. There was nothing at that time. I had to forge my way through the forest, and then I had followers who could follow my steps. And that's basically what happened is I didn't want anybody else to have to go through what I went through. And that's why I ended up testifying in Congress. People called me. I testified at the Federal Trade Commission. I, I, I tried to help laws get passed. And then I was invited to speak at the White House. Um, that was weird. I get a call one Friday from the Treasury Department saying, this is the Treasury. Of course, I didn't believe it was the Treasury Department because at that point I was so you know, sensitive to like any kind of fraud calls that I, I said, I don't believe you, you know. Anyway, I finally believed them. And um, they said, we'd like you to come, you know, next week and speak at the White House. And it was on C-SPAN um, to talk about, at that point, is that's when they were passing the Graham-Leach-Bliley bill, which was a privacy bill that they, you know how you get those notices every year. And they wanted me to talk about why it's necessary, why privacy is necessary, and tell my story about identity theft. So if you go online and you, you know, actually Google my name, you can see me at the White House with Hilly and Billy. <laughs> and... Um, Hillary introduced me, yeah. yeah, I and then I got to introduce um, the president at that time, and you know I was so excited, and I was, you know, it was a big trip for me to go all the way across country and get up the next morning, very very early in the morning, if you can imagine, because it was three hours earlier. It was funny because uh, Bill Clinton said, "I only wish we could have found somebody with a little more energy," and everybody laughed. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, a crazy. And I'm sure that uh, he learned a lot. I'm, I'm sure everyone in the room learned so much from you. And thank goodness that, you know, we had you to raise awareness. Because just think of how many people probably, you know, would have wanted to get through it and then just forget about it without trying to help others, you know, be aware and, and help them to see what's going on and how to not be a victim and so on. Right. And, you know, uh, this is why the name of my first book was Vi From Victim to Victor, A Step-by-Step -step Guide for Ending the Nightmare of Identity Theft, because I'm not a victim personality. And I felt very victimized. But what once I was on all these shows, people would be calling my law office from everywhere, all over the country, even Canada, even Italy, saying, you know, I'm a victim of identity theft. What do I do? And, and so... I just, I had to do something. That's, that's why I didn't want people to become victims. I wanted them to realize that they could empower themselves by taking what they learn and really requiring the companies to address the issues and requiring the government to do their part. So that's how we got a lot of laws passed that make it quite a bit easier than it was when I went through it. Even though it's been easier in some ways to deal with identity theft, in other ways because of the vast 
information that is prolific everywhere, it also has new uh, and more difficult ways to deal with identity theft. But I want to make sure that we leave our audience at least with some resources that they can go to, some nonprofits. And one of those would be privacyrights.org. And then they can search for identity theft and how to protect yourself, criminal identity theft, etc. Also, they can go to idtheftcenter.org, which has tremendous amount of information about identity theft and how to deal with it. And then they can also go to the Department of Justice, which is www.justice.gov slash criminal dash fraud. They can also go to consumerfed.org. And then, of course, the Federal Trade Commission website, which is ftc.gov slash ID theft. And they can get quite a bit of information from all of those nonprofits. So thank you so much for being a, a wonderful host to invite me to answer questions, Rebecca. And we will have you back again on our show many more times with all the brilliance that you have. So everyone listening, take a look at the Privacy Professor and uh, dot com and also rebeccaherald.com so thank you for joining us the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI its management or the UC Board of Regents